0: Good morning everyone, this is Andrea Ferguson and Shanka Ponsolet with The Scheng Show and today we're going to talk a little bit about the journey from freelancer to agency owner and that is really a journey that I have gone together with you Andrea, mm-hmm. yep And um, welcome, Rick, in our audience here. Hello, Rick. Okay, well, tell me, Andrea, you have really observed this transition Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and um, you have a few questions for me or do you want me to just kind of uh, explain to our audience how I started freelancing in the first place?
1: I think that that's a great idea first of all welcome everybody thanks for being here hope that you enjoy the show we're going to talk about delegation and how that was a crucial essential part to go from freelancer to agency owner for Shankar so yeah I do have some questions for you uh first of all there's actually kind of three stages that you went through right so first you well four I guess if you count being an employee first yes. when you got to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long were you employed here in the U.S.?
0: Well, I kind of also want to talk about my employment before I was in the U.S.
1: Okay, go for it. Yeah. I don't know if you've told me so much about it.
0: Well, I was employed as a law enforcement officer for roughly 10 years. Mm-hmm before i even came to the united states and i worked as for what most people would refer to as an fbi agent so the equivalent of that in luxembourg and it was really a very interesting time because i got to see the highs and lows of humanity Mm. i got to see how miserable one can be when you are hitting rock bottom. But later also, I got to see how miserable people can be when they have too much. Mm. Because at the beginning, I was operating in a red light district and I was working with prostitutes and trafficked people, drug cartels, fighting drug cartels and then later on i was part of an international financial fraud investigation unit and i basically welcomed the judges from all over the world who came to luxembourg to find documents in companies and banks that were generally related to tax evasion and money laundering Mm -hmm. and i got to see you know again what i just said that people on both ends of the spectrum become numb to sensations and then they need to resort to illegal means to feel again and that would be substance abuse, excessive power, excessive violence, excessive control and greed you know. So uh, I learned a lot of soft skills during that time that really prepared me to be a freelancer and also agency owner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: After that, uh, so in 2011, I came to the United States after that 10-year career.
1: Yeah, I just before you go into that, yes, was that pivotal moment for you that made you think, okay, this has been great but i gotta go
0: well i mean it's really been part of my american dream i was born somehow with a deep desire in my heart to live in the united states and i just had to wait for the right moment in life because if you want to do it the right way you have to have what is called a green card which is basically a a permit to live and work here legally, mm-hmm. and there are several ways to get it. And the way I got it was through a lottery that I won in 2010. And then you have to go through a long process. And I I got I finally was ready to leave the country in 2011.
1: Okay, so you had a career where you saw the highs and lows, the ups and downs, basically the perils of society, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yep. But during that whole time, you knew that that was not like your forever career. Like you didn't go into it like, I'm going to be in law enforcement until I retire and then do something different.
0: Um, At the beginning of my law enforcement career, I think there was certainly a a phase where I saw myself retiring as a law enforcement officer. I also, even though I harbored the the American dream in my heart, I couldn't know for sure if it was ever going to happen. So I definitely had set my mind on making everything humanly possible to give myself the chance for it to happen, but I couldn't be for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I quickly, saw, I want to say after two years or so, I saw that I had uh, a thirst to use my mental capacities, my intellectual capacities to go further than what the profession of a law enforcement officer would allow me to do. So what I started doing at that point, because I didn't really have an outlet, because whenever you work in rigid governmental structures, you can't always utilize your mental and intellectual capacities to the fullest extent. So what I started doing is I started long distance studies with a university in the UK called Open University, and I started studying mathematics.
1: Yeah, okay. (laughs) So Hold on. Rewind. We're going to go back. So at the moment that you decided, you know, I think I want to do just a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you go personally and seek out an opportunity to learn. And of all of the subjects that exist, Mm -hmm. you choose math. Yeah. Why?
0: Well, that is a very good question. And the answer is that during my high school years, I was know the highest most complicated track was uh, a mathemat- ma- mathematical track and I was on that track and then I had a test that didn't work out so well um, it would have been the equivalent of a, of a C minus I believe in the United okay. States so I was used to always you know being an A student and I reacted very foolishly I had a huge ego so I switched to a track that was focused more on languages and economics and social sciences, which is considered a less difficult track, right? So I went through that track and graduated from high school relatively easily because it was easier for me. Uh, But I had always regretted that I had um, given up so fast, and just because my my ego was hurt, (laughs) And that's the reason why I said, well, I'm going to show you Shankar. Now I'm going to study mathematics at a university level, even though everybody told me if you don't do that track in high school, you can't do that at university.
1: Right. So you you are really something else, because I remember several years ago you saying that, you know, because I'm not a competitive person, but I like playing games and I like To play games, you generally have someone you're competing against. Mm -hmm. So by nature, you become a competitor. But you're not really that person. You're not a fan of games. You're not really a fan of competition. You told me, unless it's against myself. Absolutely. And so in this moment, you proved to yourself that Mm -hmm. you could, in fact, challenge yourself and win at your own game. Yes. So you chose the... Subject of math mm-hmm. you went after it and then what happened
0: i excelled and i just kept on going i didn't quite know what to do with it i just knew that while i was doing my police work and then when i whenever i was free i was studying for these uh, mathematics tests at the university level and it gave me great satisfaction and it turned out that later When I did immigrate to the United States and I decided I would get my bachelor's degree here in the U.S. in a field that is related to computer and software, I actually was able to transfer a lot of credits.
1: Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So I find this is kind of the first step and that is challenging oneself, competing against oneself Mm -hmm. when you are making that transition from employee to employer because you really don't have anyone else. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people that are telling you not to do something. Maybe it's even yourself, but I think in, when you have that self drive and you don't, you're not depending on anyone else, but yourself, that is kind of what pushes you to continue to innovate, yeah, to continue to go further and keep up with the challenges and the paces that come with being a business owner. Mm-hmm. So I think you had already started doing that even though you were in your law enforcement career. So that's interesting. And then what happened? So you went from uh that you told the story of your transition from working in the in Luxembourg mm-hmm. to moving over here to do school. And then what happened after that? You were employed while you were here. Were you employed as a student?
0: Yes, I came as a what they call a non-traditional student and I wasn't really interested in all the partying I was at a university called Miami University of Oxford Ohio and it was known to be a party (laughs) school Uh, maybe most schools are party schools I don't know but uh, yeah I came and very quickly I uh, took a job at the office of student wellness and they made me the alcohol edu (laughs) coordinator for the anti-anti university and that was kind of an interesting fit right because i was used to dealing with alcoholics (laughs) dealers you know and at the beginning of my career uh, more often than not when we found drunk people you know we would pick them up and drive them home and even sometimes carry up the stairs and put to bed you know and uh, yeah, so I was chosen to be that alcohol edu uh, administrator, which was really nice because part of it was me also being responsible for administrating, uh, administering the courses, which were which was done online and in person. And the other part was also going after students who wouldn't fulfill the requirements because oh, it wow. was actually a, a serious. Thing because they would put a block on their account, right? And students couldn't were, graduate. Yeah or, yeah, or were not even able to register for the classes. Or in, check out books. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember. So that's really where how I started, and um, and then I also had a side job as a cashier at a local co-op selling groceries. Now, here's what is interesting. I believe in this, and Robert Kiyosaki says that whenever you want to do something, uh, just get a job in a company. Even if you start uh, swiping floors, you know, just get in, learn, and then show your skills and you will eventually be promoted to doing what you want to do in that company. And that's exactly what I did because both of these employers that i had as a fresh student here in the United States the office of student wellness the university and that grocery store both of them are cu- are clients of ours now
1: wow that's
0: and we do it work for them and <laughs> website work
1: yeah that's incredible right?
0: so that's really to show that you whenever w- whenever you do something somewhere whatever you do It's always a sample of your ethics and your your skills also.
1: I think this is still a part of competing against yourself or holding, I should say, like holding yourself to your highest standard of excellence. Mm -hmm. And then it's not to say that only company owners can be self-driven and self-motivated and all of that. But if you are seeking to go from you know, employed to employer, you may want to think about the fact that you are, you are honestly your greatest competition because no one else is going to push you to your limit or to your maximum or beyond to keep going beyond and to think about, well, what happens after this or, you know, starting with wiping floors and and going up and how that could tie into potential business down the road.
0: Yeah. and, And if I may say so, I believe that within every one of us dwells an employer and an employee at any given time right the employer is the person within us that knows what to do and that wants us to do it and the employee within us is the one that has lazy moments that wants breaks (laughs) and that wants to get away in life with the least amount of work most employees are like that you know and i apologize you know Aww. this is not a criticism to any employees here who listen to this it is normal it is a human condition uh, yeah. and it's it's it, it's being smart in that way that we all want to be efficient with our time and energy right but if you transfer that to capitalism and you talk about being uh again uh, an employer versus an employee there's different um kind of interests that mindsets there and
1: and i think a lot about Mm self-reliance knowing that you can fall back on your employer which is why you're employed because they're the ones who take the Mm risk so that that kind of brings me to my next point which is how much did your risk taking increase after that because you know to go from um freelancer to agency owner you have to you have to make some changes, mm-hmm. you have to take on some more risks right. It's suddenly not just about you, yeah it's not just about you paying your bills right it's about you paying everyone else's or allowing people enabling others yeah. to pay their bills from being employed
0: well, you know what's interesting, and I'm so happy that Rick is still with us. Rick, give me a thumbs up here <laughs> uh, i I'll, Ill send you someone you here on yeah gut well. one on Instagram as well cool um so one of the things that I did was <clears throat> when I left Luxembourg, I got a, a long sabbatical, a four-year-long sabbatical. That is something that is granted to Luxembourg <laughs> government employees. Um, but they give you conditions. You have to say why you go. And I went because I, my reason was to get a degree in, you know, to, get to be a student. So I was given I was granted the sabbatical with the exclusion of being able to work and to be self-employed. So very very soon I want to say probably 2 months in I cut that safety off, you know. Wow. Yeah, I I had I knew I wanted to be the alcohol EDU administrator. I knew I wanted to be selling groceries at that co-op. So I uh, Whereas I could have had a ticket back to my job, mm-hmm. same salary, same rank, everything for four years. <laughs> I decided after two months to burn the bridges, as they say. Wow. Right? I
1: mean, take and risks. Yeah,
0: that's, that's risk uh, right there. And also being an immigrant in itself is a risk, mm-hmm. you know. And later down the road, I mean, we can go into more detail, but I mean, as a business owner, you always have to take calculated risk, mm-hmm. not stupid risk, but calculated risk, right? Yeah. The, I I do want to bring up the third thing that I did, which uh, in 2011 was when I came to the US and started my studies, I immediately started freelancing also uh, and offering offering website services right so that um company that you and i run now was started as a student's freelancer gig (laughs)
1: that's so amazing
0: and the the beautiful thing is that again i I we still have clients to this day like that grocery store that um you know i started back
1: then which is beautiful is that 2011 or something Mm -hmm. like that that's amazing Well, that is, you you broke through your own ceiling. You broke through your own glass ceiling. I love that. So we've talked about you coming from Luxembourg as an employed government worker Mm -hmm. to moving to the U.S. as a student Mm -hmm. who then cut the ties during his sabbatical. Yeah. no age sabbatical <laughs> <laughs> and then going to oh no
0: no no sabbatical
1: no sabbatical S-
0: sabbatical <laughs>
1: Sabbatical. <Okay. laughs> all
0: right
1: and then Andrea
0: then, thinks she knows english <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's very few moments when i get to do this so you gotta you know, <laughs> every moment you get and then from that where did you go so from the moon co-op and
0: the office of know, student wellness
1: office of student mm-hmm. wellness which you were given a really high honor at miami university as well for what was that about you have a medal
0: yeah um it was the president's award i believe Yeah, because I yeah something because i actually what i did with with the alcohol edu program is i digitized it in many ways i improved mm-hmm. the the digitalization yeah and for that i i got an award awards awesome yeah. and
1: you the funny thing about it is Shankar is not one to do things with the goal of getting awards or being seen and I'm not just saying this to say it I mean he saw a need right he saw a need he mm-hmm. said this is how can this not be digital and then you just took it upon yourself to digitize it
0: yeah and I'm very driven by passion you know that's the beautiful thing about Immigrating and starting from a clean slate Mm -hmm. is if you are bold enough, you can choose to only do things that you truly want to do. And that's, I think, also one of the ingredients for success in business ownership is this ability to wake up and you just cannot wait to get your hands on doing what it is that you have chosen to do to be also to be uh, compensated for.
1: Right. So in other words, I mean, the creation of the iPod or the iPhone or any of these things, it was, it didn't, I mean, maybe it was about, okay, this will be lucrative. But it was really because of the the drive, the want to create something in a completely innovative way, right? Yeah.
0: And I do want to say that it is smart for anyone to look at what are my passions Mm -hmm. and what makes money. And then look for something where there's an intersection of both. Really, Absolutely. Because if you only focus on passion, well, you can work a lot and not make a living. Mm-hmm. If you only focus on money, you can earn a lot but not enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. Or I can tell you that when you get into business, it's always going to get rough and you have to like put in a lot of hours. And if there's no passion behind it, money alone won't Carry you through that phase, you know.
1: So then let's let's transition. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. because obviously, as a freelancer, you are capped. So you broke through the the ceiling mm-hmm. in going from employee to employ, well, to self-employed. Yeah, then... I I
0: did work uh, after graduation. I worked as a software developer for about a year, mm-hmm. and that was a very important uh, phase. To not skip that, and I'm gonna briefly say why. Uh, first thing is you get role models in your chosen field you also get to learn models that you can later adapt to give it your flavor right but I mean I definitely have I that job was with Engage partners out of Cincinnati and you know to this day I look up to that company I have a mentor in that company who always told me one day, Shankar, you will be a CEO. And I was like, no, I want to be the coder in the trenches writing code. <laughs> and he said, no, you have too many skills to also deal with humans. You have too many skil- skills to understand what a project needs to be and how that translates into technology. So you will see, you will be forever pulled into leadership. Mm-hmm. And he was right. So after mm-hmm. one year, uh we had to move to chicago um for professional reasons and i had to let go of that job mm-hmm. and i took the first job that i got in chicago was a bad fit after 2 weeks i quit and i started freelancing at that point
1: yeah so risk after risk after risk mm-hmm. Slight wee bit of denial, <laughs> but I think that's because where's you the left... denial part. Well, the denial was that you would ever be a CEO. Oh yeah, and I think you bring up such a, an interesting point. Well, about... I
0: had so much passion to write code, and I right. was very proud that I had acquired that skill. Right,
1: right. So you know, something that I have learned from uh, you know other COOs or CEOs. Is they're good at their craft, but they're better at leading. So Mm -hmm. you're a good coder, great coder, Mm -hmm. but you're a better leader. And maybe you'll argue, no, I'm just as good as a, you know, (laughs) but there's always someone who knows more than you in a given field. And if you can hire on for that role, then that, and you can lead better, then that means that you're meant to be a leader.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of a very important conversation I had with someone here in San Antonio, and it was a woman that was leading an agency in the field of web development. Her name is Magali Shogano, I believe I pronounce that, and... She, I, I don't know how that came about, but we connected on LinkedIn and I must have had a question. And she said, you know, even though technically I was a competitor, she said, hey, let's grab coffee together. And we met and she said something that was very profound, but that, uh, at that moment when she told me, I didn't accept. She said, okay, listen, you're either going to be a great, great coder and you can do that by working for someone, a company that gives you the space to be that because you're going to have to put in all the man hours and all the, your time needs to go into staying on top of latest developments in technology. Or you're going to be a company owner and then you have to realize that you need to let go of wanting to be working in the trenches and coding. And you have to build a team. Um, It took me, I believe, one or two years to accept that fact um, because I told her, no, no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that happen. But she was right.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, I think I find it very powerful when company owners or leaders see that in you. And they also kind of address that. Ceiling, right? Because Mm -hmm. as a freelancer, which is great, and some people don't want to scale. Some people don't want to own a company. Some people don't want to deal with the human relations aspect of it because there's a lot of that. I I find that that's more important is the relationships than anything else. Um, Because if you are you're the best at what you do, but you have you know either trouble on your team or trouble with your clients, it's going to make for a very tumultuous business. Like it's, it's, it's going to be super stressful. So there's ways and not, no business is perfect. By no means am I saying that, that we're perfect or that anyone is perfect, but when you're able, when you have the capacity, the drive and the willingness to manage a team or become an agency owner and, um, and you do that, there's some shifts that happen, and not everybody wants to make that shift or maybe not everybody is, is able to do it. So at the time, you know, you're single, no children, and that's a huge difference already where people want to, but they have a lot of demands. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you kind of, you talk about how you have, uh, business leaders and people that you know, who are also confirming that, you know, you, you, you go in this direction of agency owner. Can you tell a little bit briefly about the reason why you left your job and you said, that's it, I'm going solo on my own?
0: Yeah, I will do that. And uh, let me just welcome Soraya Yulfa, if I pronounce that correctly. Hi, Soraya. Yeah, she's from Sri Lanka. Is that how I pronounce Sri Lanka? And we connected recently and she, I I know she's she has aspirations for business ownership as well um she's a very smart woman and um, yeah connected told me that anyway uh Soraya, if you want to participate in the conversation raise your hand but i will um tell you andrea i was um, in chicago took on the first job and i realized that my boss at that new place didn't have the standards that i felt our clients deserve mm. And it was not her fault. I think f- to a large extent she didn't understand the technology well enough that she sold and she over-promised. And I didn't feel comfortable in, in being in that environment. Now, I will say maybe I was wrong because she is still in business. <laughs> it looks like she leads a very successful business too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but at that point... For me that was like okay I have to do it the right way I have to deliver work that is worthy of being associated to my name and I'm going to start freelancing.
1: So what was the point at which you decided okay I'm freelancing I'm doing my own thing on my own terms providing the value that I want for my customers that I feel that they deserve. And now either I'm getting too much on my plate or I want to scale I want to grow this thing. What was that pivotal moment for you where you decided to switch from freelancer to agency owner
0: well that was really um I want to say someone who is on the talk here with me she almost forced me into giving it a try what it would feel like to have some help because as you know by now I I revealed it earlier. You know, I'm very proud. There's ego, there's (laughs) perfectionism. And I was here doing my thing, writing blog posts. And you came along, came into my life, and you said, I think I can help you with that. And I was like, "Mm, No, this is very advanced medical content. (laughs) I don't think so. And so on and so forth. But I i did end up you know you convinced me and i gave you a test project that i felt was safe you know i let you (laughs) write a few things for my airbnb room and uh you did great you know and i saw immediately i can recognize greatness when i see it so (laughs) i i saw that you know you were just dedicated to excellence and you were also self-directed and and then i said okay well how about you help me with this blog post and so on And, and you you did and here's something very interesting in business is um so you you do the thing that you like to do and you do it often and as soon as you get some help you also see the positive side of that because now you have help and you can focus on growing the business. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the the very old saying, you have to work on your business, not in your business, but you cannot work on your business if, you know, you're always working in your business. Yeah. So, so having someone that helps you uh, enables you to start building a business. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting because there's a lot of... A lot of suggestions to you. when you're delegating, you look at the things that you love and are great at, that you're like, that you like and you're good at, that you don't like, that you're not good at, and that you don't like, but you're good at. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it again: love and great at, mm-hmm. like and good at, don't like, not good at, don't like, but good at. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't exist really for you because you are, I I can't even say really a jack of all trades, but I guess that's the closest term I could get to it. So you do the coding, you did the writing, you did the, all of the other, these other elements that happen in you know, marketing and you were just, and web development. And you loved it all. And you were really good at it all. I remember for a very brief moment, you tried to teach me coding. (laughs) That did not work out. Needless to say, I am not head of coding and IT. So, but, you know, it's, it's definitely letting go. And it's definitely taking another risk. When you take something that you love and that you're great at, or that you like and that you're good at, and you pass it on whether it be just to see how this goes or because you want help or because you're being asked like hey let me help you with that um shout out to me i want to thank me for for convincing you to because this is this was really advanced medical content here it wasn't j- i mean there's a lot of research involved i do have a background in international public health nutrition i leaned on that a little bit i know the sources to go to So it's not the case that just anybody would be able to give you help. I think it might have ended a little differently had it been someone who wasn't able to fulfill on that. But uh, yeah, I just want to say that that takes a lot to step out and be able to do that. And so once you finally did, what happened after that?
0: Well, um, before I answer that, I want to briefly point the attention of our audience to a website we have shanks.club s-h-a-n-k-x.club which is really a repository of all the learnings and teachings that i gained from all of that time it is uh 27 mm-hmm. a month but for our live listeners they can use the coupon code live and then it drops to seven dollars per month for life mm. anyway um the uh now you have to repeat your question.
1: <laughs> so delegating, you you take things you love and you're great at, mm-hmm. like good at, don't like, not good at, mm-hmm. which g- there is generally a correlation. Like your strengths and your passions and all of these things, you totally play to the strengths because they're things that you do all the time. You do them all the time because you love them, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Like I don't I know there are things out there that you are like really great at and you don't like to do or maybe you've outgrown them those kinds of things and I would guess that those are the first things that you begin to delegate or how does that work? How did you decide like yeah I mean I mean once you
0: have help available to you you quickly realize that there are things that you really really like Mm -hmm. and there are things that you may be good at but you don't as you said you don't necessarily enjoy them so those are the first things that you naturally delegate like um and like
1: switching choosing between coding and blogging for example you obviously give up the blogging
0: right exactly so i i actually am pretty decent at blog writing and i got a medical website to rank first for very complicated keywords but it is not necessarily something that i love doing mm-hmm. you know i enjoy the process but yeah i if i had to choose between code and blogging i would choose code <laughs> so that's the first thing you delegate right. and it's very interesting what happens then because you know when you do when you make yourself do things that you don't fully enjoy that costs a certain amount of energy it's an internal struggle, even if it is minute. And once you don't have to struggle to kind of fight that internal battle anymore, you can use that energy to grow in other ways and grow your company.
1: I love that. So uh, we, we recently talked about how I'm going from using the terminology time to life force because mm-hmm. it's a resource that's so much more than just minutes on a clock. It is truly your life force. And I think you're describing that right there. When you take minutes and hours and days or whatever to do something that you like and good at, but not love or great at, or you can delegate it and choose not to, you're you're giving a little bit of your resource away, this part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think to grow, you have to feel really comfortable with maybe it's not going to come out exactly the same way I would do it, which doesn't even mean that it would be poorer in quality. It just doesn't come out the same. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you got rid of a little bit of that perfectionism as well. Um, But you, and that's not to say it's not still held to a high standard, but you just decided, I'm going to give this part away. I'm going to give this, and slowly, but surely it became more and more, right?
0: Yeah, well, because businesses, when you listen to wise business owners who are millionaires and gazillionaires, who I am fortunate enough to be mentored by those they, they're the first ones to tell you that perfectionism is really bad for business because you just can never progress and never focus on growth because it is a quite an elusive thing, perfectionism, mm-hmm. and it's a lost cause because you're never perfect, right especially not if you're someone who always wants to grow and get to the next level. Well, once you have reached your definition of perfectionism that you had yesterday or today you're going to find a way to redefine it
1: wow that's deep definitely a a certain personality type for that so yeah i think what is key is is determining well this is what i'm going to give away and it gives me frees me up and gives me more time you're essentially determining your capacity Mm -hmm. and then from that Um, But that requires that you know what you do. So you have to sit down, take time to figure that out, think about all the tasks that can be given away. At what point did you decide, Okay, now I have Andrea here, who's an awesome, lovely, amazing medical content specialist. Mm. I'm going to split myself a little bit more. Well, no, the opposite of that. I'm going to get myself back Mm. and I'm going to bring on IT.
0: I think it had a lot to do with listening to other business owners and uh, being influenced by mentors who told me or who made me understand that you're not, you don't really have a business hmm. if, if it's just you and everything relies on you because if something happens to you and you know you can't fulfill your work anymore well then then that's the end right mm-hmm. and at that point where i onboarded edward our our second shout out member. to edward delgado oh yeah he's awesome i had uh, already g- gained a few very important clients here i had i did work for a rehab facility i did work for a medical clinic and i was very much aware that making their websites and their computers work was bigger than just you know me getting paid for work Mm -hmm. it actually meant literally lives depended on it because and also um sobriety people's entire existence but also the employees that are working for my clients rely on the websites being up, rely on computers running. And I really didn't want to be in that situation ever where uh, something happened to me or I got busy otherwise and, you know, I would have to abandon these clients. Um, So that was really one of the reasons why on top of, of course, starting to understand that you can really only grow as a business person if you set yourself up with a successful team. But those two things were driving me towards uh, opening, so, growing the team. And uh, of course, after you had opened my, my eyes to even being receptive to that.
1: Okay. So this is news to me because I, you know, did not look at this from a standpoint of you wanted to be comfortable I mean, I'm sorry. That's how I kind of looked at it. Like, well, I want to grow. I want to scale. I want to be comfortable and do it. But it's it was really an altruistic thing, wasn't it? It was I may not be able to fulfill yeah. what the needs are of this customer. Yeah. I may not be able to help them if something happens. So it's always that forward thinking once again, beyond your own skin. I think that's the really integral to becoming your yeah i mean owner.
0: if you if you think about the exercises that you go through as a business owner you always speak about core values right and really one of the core values that i have always had uh, was wanting to be dependable And reliable to the people and companies that entrust me with their business, because they're like giving you a chance as a freelancer or as a small business, and then um, you know you definitely want to. They they just deserve that, right? I love
1: it. I love it. Well, that is definitely. And um, thank
0: you, Soraya, for your thumbs up. (laughs) I'm so happy that you are here with us.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great trait to have, I think, in any leader and especially one that's thinking of the community, because the clients that you serve, especially when they're local, they are a part of our community. And that is a great trait to have as a leader, thinking about how they can run and how you will impact all of their clients who are also a part of the community, especially Mm -hmm. In in health and wellness, we know how important it is to be able to access medications, uh, and you can't do that if, if the person can't is locked out of their computer. They can't, you know, function. And you're very conscious of how how much a person can operate, and you care a lot about operations as it pertains to their devices. So. Yeah, that's something I guess that I learned. I didn't realize it wasn't so much that you were at your capacity so much as it is, I just mean, I can't be three places at once, for example. Yeah. Um, and the what-ifs, I think, are are very forward-thinking and reveal a lot about leadership.
0: So, And you know what started happening with AdWord is that when people call our company numbers... You know, once I noticed that some people <laughs> would call and they didn't even know me. They asked for him. That's great. They didn't know that I existed. You know, that is a first sign right there that you have. You are no longer a freelancer. That's a but, proud but moment. You have, yeah, you have a business, you know. Yeah, it
1: lives beyond you.
0: Yeah, because they had an issue to be resolved and oh. I was not needed in the solution. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? No. That's great. Even though it's your moniker. Mm -hmm. Mike Shanks is your name. That's great. I love that so, 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 so much. And I think that uh, when we think about what we, quote, owe to our clients, to our community, to even our our own team, which is another reason I think we brought on the next team member because I needed help, right? Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that decision. Because at that point, I honestly really did believe before we had our next hire that it was just us. We're a trio like, mm-hmm. oh, this is Shanks. This is cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm comfortable with this. You know, money is good. Opportunity is good. We can handle this. But, you know, for you, it was always beyond just the, the financial bit of it. As you just revealed, it was about being able to take care of the clients. Mm-hmm. And part of being able to take care of the clients is being able to take care of your team. Right. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. Well, you
0: know, if you think about it, what happened to me, someone who needs to work on the bu- business versus in, that also happens to your team. At some point, you know, your first employee who is responsible for medical content needs to operate at a higher level because there's more work, the work gets more demanding,
1: more meetings, and more
0: meetings. <laughs> And you got to give that person the space to operate at that higher level. However, that doesn't mean that the nitty gritty and the work in the trenches has gone away. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to be fair to that person and if you want your operations to grow, that person that was you at that point needs help. So, it's just this natural progression of growth and of growing a company if you are part of the capitalist western system you know and and you believe that being in business means growth then that's just part of it
1: yeah another risk and i know we have to wrap up at some point here but i just that is so powerful and i love the line that you mentioned which is You don't have an agency if you don't have agents. Yeah. Well, I thought, oh, we too, we too are your agents, so we're good. But you hired on again and then again again. and -hmm. then again. And that way it was at that point that I realized, okay, we're I'm gonna just strap on my parachute, as I always say, because it's scary, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's such a an element of human relations that is really, really, really not on the forefront of one's mind. Everybody's like, I want to work for myself. So they're a freelancer and they call themselves uh, a company owner or, I mean, you you are a company owner, but what is it that people say they usually say? And again, it's like, you're not an agency if you don't have agents, but they refer to themselves as some title. And I remember calling you that and you're like, oh, no, no, I'm self-employed. So what was that difference? What is it that people don't really get or connect about um, being self-employed versus running a company there's a word that people use help me (laughs) i don't know in any case (laughs) oh you're so honest i love it but anyway the point is that you take more and more risk you take on more and then you start to really have human really like a lot of relationships start to form start to build
0: yeah well you know a company has phases just like a human being. You know, you're a newborn, you're a toddler, you're a preschooler, high schooler, college student, young adult, adult and so on and so forth. And a company has those phases too. And really as you progress into I would consider our company to be in young adulthood now. Mm-hmm. And as you kind of get into that phase, you have to start adulting, you know, also as a company. And there are so many things that adulting consists of like HR, like internal processes, like having systems everywhere, right? And that gets to a point where. It is utopic to believe that one person can handle all of that. You need to have help and you need to have people in your company that are better at whatever they do than you are. And that's a huge shift from the freelancer mindset and also the small business owner, by the way. And for someone like me who has that big ego and who is (laughs) used to Um, being pretty good at a lot of things, you have to get to a point where you are, okay, I'm going to hire someone, find someone who is way more advanced in in a certain field than I am. I love it. And I believe that that's where we are as a company still working on that, right? Because we haven't really done it yet. Well, we did it once, but that didn't work out but um i mean there's there's that's where we are at right now i mean we have yeah. we have to hire experts and we have to put in systems in place
1: but then you're able to be a much better leader and I, I yeah. have been told so many times you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your company. Yeah. And I've also been told if you're the smartest person in the room, you're, the, you're in the wrong room. Exactly. But there are there are different fields of intelligence and there's different areas to be smart in and there's yeah. different departments and you always want somebody who knows more than you is more experienced or whatever. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they want to run a business, that they know how to run a business or that they strive for that well uh,
0: exactly that goes back to what that lady bagali told me remember Mm -hmm. she said if you're going to be an expert in coding you are not going to be a business owner you are going to find a job where you have the environment to remain an expert to put in the hours and to have time to stay on top of things and
1: that's what i want to provide for our people For those that want to do that, we have an incredible um, software developer who, to me, that sounds right up his alley. Like, I don't think that everyone should feel, especially in today's age, like they have to go into business for themselves. But I think that whatever you do, you do it in excellence and you always continue to push yourself. So um, maybe the pushing in this case, again, is to just stay on top of what the best practices are in your field or the new and changing Mm -hmm. things in your industry and your department. Mm -hmm. And you can be an asset to your entire company because you lend that knowledge and you bring in that excellence. So I think that is, um, I think that, that explains it to me, how and why you delegate, how you went from freelancer to agency owner, why you did it. I learned a little bit more about you. I personally love this style of conversation. Are you loving it? We're actually looking at one another right now. Y'all can't see us behind the screen that are listening audibly, but it's great. I can see him smiling right now, and um, we're just, I love this. I yeah, think we should do I it have no problem
0: often. with it. Dad. It's great, and you brought out things that I didn't know we're going to be brought out.
1: Yeah. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. And if you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have something that you heard and you, you know, like, yeah, can y'all expound upon that a little bit more? I want to hear more of Shankar's story. I'm sure we'll be telling a little bit more of it because we can't pack everything in one episode, but we plan to give you more, uh, a little bit of our backstory and how it revolves around the things that we're learning at this stage in our agency so it definitely if you have something that you want to hear more about please let us know and um i don't know do you have anything you want to say to the people
0: yes absolutely I want to tell everyone, thank you for their time, for having been with us. This was Andrea Ferguson and Shanka Ponsley. We run and operate a healthcare marketing and public relations agency in San Antonio. We are great at also teaching you how to be visible. If you cannot afford us, go to socialmediacontentmaster.com. You'll see a program where you can get coaching with us every day. If that is a little bit too advanced, go to shanks.club. That's S-H-A-N-K-X.club and use the coupon code LIVE, L-I-V-E, So you can be part of our great community and learn. Learn how to build a business. Learn how to build followers and learn how to never give up and how to always strive after excellence. Thank you so much for your time again. Uh, We, Andrea and I, wish you an amazing weekend. And we'll see you very, very soon again on this platform. Bye-bye for
1: now. Bye-bye.